Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. The Bank of Canada came out on Wednesday and increased interest rates by a quarter point, bringing the overnight rate to 4.5%. And this was the expected amount, but was maybe a little less expected was that they mentioned that they essentially plan to hold rates where they are for the foreseeable, excuse me, for the foreseeable future. This is going to instill a bit of a sense of stability in the marketplace, wherein people that might be looking to borrow money now feel a little bit more confident that uh, rates are going to stay where they are so that any type of mortgage rate that they're looking at today is likely going to stay at the same payment amount. The news also brought on a reduction in the fixed rates of mortgages. We're going to get into that and tell you how low the rates have actually dropped and what you can expect. And we're also going to talk a bit about housing starts, what that's going to look like coming up here, debt levels. And of course, we're going to give you some insights into what the January numbers are going to look like here in the real estate market for Vancouver. Hey guys, this is Ryan Dash here with my co-host Dan Wirtel with eXp Realty and we release a new podcast episode every Saturday to keep you updated on the fast-moving Vancouver real estate market. If you'd like to get in touch with us, talk about your next purchase, your sale, potential investment, you can book a meeting with us using the link in the description and please make sure you subscribe so that you get notified about our next upcoming episodes and you always have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in Vancouver. So as mentioned, right off the top here, the Bank of Canada did increase interest rates a quarter point on Wednesday. And while this was expected, we are now sitting at the highest overnight rate we have seen since 2007. And it's also important to note that since the 100 basis point hike that we saw back on July 13th, the Bank of Canada has essentially been tapering. There were a couple of 0.75s, 0.5s, and now a quarter point. So it's the smallest rate hike they've done since they started this hiking cycle back in March of 2022. Three main takeaways I got from this uh, increase and of course the press release that followed was that in fact the Bank of Canada does plan to hold rates where they are for the remainder of the year. So much so that the markets have actually already started to price in the high likelihood or potential of the Bank of Canada starting to reduce rates come somewhere near the end of 2023. The average five-year fixed rates have declined in January from the height of around 5.5%. I had mentioned on uh, Instagram yesterday that they had come down to about uh, 5.2, and two mortgage brokers quickly reached out to me and said, no, it is even lower right now. You can get five-year fixed mortgage rates today somewhere between 45 and 4.39. These are numbers we have not heard in some time. And yes, do note, those are for insured mortgages. Uh, And they are actually expected to fall further in the upcoming months here. Number three, the biggest thing that they said is that they are starting to feel much more confident about inflation coming down and feel they're going to hit their 2 to 3% target somewhere in 2024. Now, that's a pretty big window, but uh, again, this is sort of the first time they've kind of echoed some positive sentiment in getting inflation under control. So with prices coming down, 
with interest rates coming down, will that be enough to get buyers off the set, off the sidelines and maybe get sellers off the sidelines as well and feel like they might get the number they wanted to sell? Well, we're going to see here, but uh, this, this latest hike and essentially it being the potentially last hike is going to change the landscape, I think, quite dramatically and right in time for what is typically an increased activity levels through the spring market. Hmm. So before I jump into bond yields, I mean, let's just go back for a second and remember that the Bank of Canada said that rates were going to be low until the end of 2023. So my question, Dan, for you is, what do you think of the bank's credibility today? And do you think what we're hearing in the news uh, is happening alongside in the marketplaces and do you think they're going to stick by what they're saying this time the pandemic was a time where nobody knew what was going on so i yeah. think if that. we're going to be nice <laughs> to the boc and, and their calls at that time the future was as unknown as i think ever possible things are a little bit more under control if you will so sure, while credibility is out the window, it is our one and only source for who controls these rates. So we yeah. have to take what they say ideally seriously while, I guess, with the proverbial grain of salt. Mm. Yeah, I, okay. I largely agree. I mean, um, I think this is probably the most honest r release we've seen in some time now. Uh, so I guess we'll see where, where it goes from here. Um, but I guess I, I would maybe my, my position is like, I'm going to wait and, and see it happen before I actually do anything. And I think a lot of buyers will probably do the same. <laughs> yeah, likely. And that's, thank you. Right. The next uh, announcement is in early March. Uh, I don't have the dates in front of me. I think it's March 8th is, is the next bank of Canada interest rate announcement. And that'll be a, a telling one as you just alluded to, right? If they do happen to hold, then it will, uh, I think that's show a big that signal. Exactly, that they're at least sticking to their guns for the time being. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to note that uh, you know banks are looking at getting more competitive, and that's likely because they haven't been getting the business they've been used to over the last few years. And with buyers holding off and holding off and holding off, they got to make it a bit more interesting for their shareholders. And um, that's likely why we're seeing some more competition come out here. Bank of Canada is helping with making those rates more affordable. Okay, so let's look at bond yields because bond yields are a, a great way to look into at least some of the future in terms of where the Bank of Canada could be headed, right? So bond yields recently have been falling hard in anticipation of a weaker economy ahead. Hence, also the Bank of Canada pausing with their rate hikes. Uh, where this matters to real estate is like is the bond market has a tendency to be a very leading uh, indicator for interest rates, right? And if current bond yields are telling us that mortgage rates could fall into the low fours, like Dan just said, this has uh, an interesting, um, I guess, combination to be mixed in with the spring market, which is a key selling market. So it'll be very interesting to see if bonds and rates end up in that direction uh, in the next couple of months. Um, the takeaway, I think, really is that the bond markets are forward-looking, right? So often they indicate where the Bank of Canada is going. And the data is now finally at a point where the bank can contemplate moving over to the sidelines and seeing what they've done. And is it enough? Have they done enough, as, as Tiff Macklin uh, was quoted as saying, 
to let it work through the economy and balance out uh, that nasty inflation. I think the jury is still largely out on whether or not we'll end up in a what kind of a recession we'll end up in? Is it going to be a harder land- landing? Sorry, is it going to be a softer landing? Um, it's it's pretty hard to tell at the moment, and I think we need some more data and a bit more time to figure that out. Okay, let's move over to housing and, and inventory now, because we've been talking about inventory being the story for months and months and months, and we've also mentioned that on the other side of inflation comes the housing crisis again. So what is that going to look like when we talk about homes under construction and housing starts? And, and just so you know the difference, housing starts are essentially calculated once, a, once construction is above grade. So there can be a big hole in the ground, but that's not considered a housing start until, of course, you're above ground. Anyway, so these housing starts, new construction, let's call it, the rate of new construction has fallen for three months in a row here, and we're sitting at about 249,000 units that are considered in starts. Uh, the single family housing, <laughs> single family houses rather, are, are, as we've mentioned before, kind of going the way of the dinosaur. Those starts are down like 24% in that same wow. time period. Uh, hmm. Interestingly, those type of numbers historically are uh, one of the indicators that say, hey, we're leading into a recession. When nobody's building homes, it means there's a pending recession coming. Now, Understandably, people, developers mostly have pulled back on housing starts because, well, A, construction costs, labor costs or lack of labor. And then, of course, the, the demand. When we're seeing almost record low sales here, it's very hard for developers to hit their financing targets in their pre-sale amounts for the most part. So why would you release a product into a quiet or slow or down or dead market? You wouldn't. It's not fiscally responsible. So developers pull back, they delay projects, and this is kind of now being seen in our housing starts number. This is obviously uh, a drag on economic growth because prior to this sort of turndown here, construction was representing upwards of, uh, I think it was 8% mm-hmm. of the job market. And it was the highest since 1976, since the building boom. Holy cow, wow. So with that pulling back, yes, we are potentially setting up for a future supply crisis, especially in somewhere like GVRD, where we're coming off of almost record low inventory numbers to start 2023 here. On the other side of that, though, these homes that are already under construction, you got to think of a large tower can take four plus years to build. Under construction is actually at an all-time high now, and I am talking across the nation, uh, about 360,000 units under construction today. Normalized for the pop- for today's population, this is actually more houses being built than we saw in the 1970s building boom. So is there enough coming to save the day and defeat the housing inventory crisis? Time will tell. Immigration numbers will tell. But right now, uh, the, the housing starts are pulling way down. So this, these are homes that have been being built for a number of years now. They're obviously not going to stop halfway through. You know, it's kind of got me thinking. you know, the biggest or most populous demographic that exists in our, uh, at least in Vancouver, uh, would likely be the baby boomer generation, right? And they're all in their mid to late 50s. And I'm trying to think if those people really have any intention of of downsizing their home at this point. I don't think so. I think that's probably a good decade or so away. Where I think a lot of 
a lot of home purchases are going to come from a lot of where the in inventory is actually needed is for the demographics of people who are late twenties all the way up to, you know, probably early forties in that range where they're, you know, solidified in their career, they're deciding to have a baby, they're, they're growing and growing and growing. And so you got to think there's like a portion of our population, at least our local population that won't be selling their homes. There's an inventory stack of homes that won't be coming to the marketplace. And yet we've got immigration, we've got growing families, and we've got all these other pressures that are existing. Uh, and so while there's 360,000, you know, homes under construction across the nation, you know, you also got to look at the 830,000 people that came to Canada last year. And then the, you know, probably 1.5 million that'll be here in the next two years, three years after that. I don't know. I don't know if it's enough based on what we know. It'll be interesting to see. And I, I think, like you said, Dan, uh, it, it kind of sets the underpinnings for another hot market with, you know, not enough supply and, and more demand, especially as rates prevailing rates in the next you know year or two come down. It's going to be very interesting. Um, okay, with that said, though, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Canadian marketplace here. So national months of inventory, staying on that topic here, um, ended 2021 at just 1.6 months. That's crazy, crazy low. Uh, comparison now, we are sitting at 4.2 months of inventory as of December 2022. Uh just to note, again, this is national. This does not compare to our local marketplace, um, which is quite a different story and a micro market inside of this. Um, the HPI price dropped 1.6% in December, and that is the largest decline in over four months. Prices for all property types are now down 7.5% year over year. And single-family homes are down 13%, or $111,000 on average since the February peak. So housing declines from the peak to now is now the largest since the 1980s. Ontario is leading the pack down 17%, and BC respectively down 15 since the peak. Big numbers. And yeah. Yeah. Feeling like there's a transition that has begun, but uh, not calling any type of bottom yet. Yeah. Though, on that note, on that happy <laughs> note, if there is any good news in this story, it is somewhat in relation to the fact that, like we said, the prices are falling, slight decline in fixed mortgage rates means that the monthly payments to essentially buy or own the average Canadian home has actually been falling. And it's been falling now for three months, something that we haven't seen happen since early 2020. In other words, affordability is improving once again. I didn't say things are affordable. I said affordability <laughs> is improving. Yeah, that's uh, a big like, difference. It's a big <laughs> difference, yes. So uh, definitely take the context correctly. Now, five-year fixed rates, as mentioned, can be picked up for as little as 4.39% today. Check Rate Hub. I think I'll, I did that just before this episode, and that's exactly what they're quoting today. Of course, there's an asterisk beside that, and yes, it's for insured. But again, this is a number we have not seen in, in months here. So considering that new mortgages have essentially been dropping since about July of 2021. This is like the application for new mortgages. We may be sitting around the bottom now for that because new mortgages will likely start to be applied for now based on these lower rates, based on the upcoming spring market, and based on what the Bank of Canada came out and said on mm -hmm. Wednesday. 
So if you look at the four types of mortgages, well, there's more, but the, the four most common as far as popularity, short-term fixed is what's currently being applied for the most, yeah. followed by midterm, like sort of you more like uh, your, your five-year, or sorry, your like, I don't know, three, four-year. Mm-hmm. Um, variable rate is in third place, and five-year fixed are currently the least sought-after mortgage. So what does that tell you? That tells you people believe that rates are going to come down. If yeah. you're applying for some a fixed short term, that means you firmly believe that by the time that term is over, rates will be lower, at which point you will either re-renew at a fixed or a variable. Yeah. Either way, sentiment, yeah, you, you get these hints that it's it's starting to improve. It's still overall in the absolute dumps, don't get me wrong, <laughs> consumer sentiment is uh, almost as low as the depths of the pandemic, but again, it's starting to somewhat roll over. Yeah, I think a lot of what you're what you're talking about here, Dan, are leading indicators that we would tend to look at for behavioral change, right? And um, certainly, short-term fixed rates, yeah, that's protecting your downside and and not committing too long to owning the home so that you can benefit from a refinance in short order here. Something that we've been talking about here for some time. Um, find the home you like. Make sure you want to stay there for a period of time tie the home up, finance it for a very short period of time, and then refinance when rates come down. With that said, let's touch on rental rates here. Uh, They look to have peaked as well in large part, at least in Toronto, uh, which has seen two months of consecutive declines, um, down about 4% now. So some some decent news there for renters. Uh, Vancouver has really yet to see this drop. However, the rate of uh, increase here has has stabilized in December. So, you know, we could be seeing uh, a peak as well. So, again, sometime we need to figure out how this continues to play out with all the other moving pieces. Going to touch a little bit here on debt as well. Uh, Insolvencies and credit card delinquencies, um, they are continuing their trend up. However, they still remain below pre-pandemic levels, so really not a huge concern at the moment. Um, It just depends on where that goes from here. Also, the latest mortgage arrears data remains basically at record lows, only 0.15%. It's very, very low. Um, However, this is a trend going upwards, but it does tell us that households are likely going to um, weather the potential uh, recession that we end in, end up in, sorry, excuse me. Um, they're likely in a better financial position, even with everything that's gone on here, um, than they were during other downturns. So there will be some ability to weather this, uh, even though we won't be happy about it. Okay. Well, last but not least, we are going to give you guys some sort of intel into what's happened in the January real estate market here in GERD. We're recording this on Thursday, January the 26th, so a large portion of the month's data is in. And as cannot be too surprising, we're going to end up this month at very low sales uh, volumes. Rather, it's going to end up probably just over a thousand, maybe a thousand twenty-five units will sell in total for the month. That is second worst only to January two thousand nine, aka the global financial crisis. Do keep in mind there was three times the inventory back then, so a much wilder ratio. But again, when it comes to sales volume. We're sitting here at a a 14-year low, and again, the second lowest recorded. Inventory will end up around 8,400 by the end of this month once all the dust settles. Lower 
then January 2021, wow. which was obviously a very hot month, if we remember that, uh, but around 2,000 units higher than this time last year, which was even hotter market. But take that uh, for what you will. Prices as of today, uh, the median price is up about $20,000 compared to last month. It's sitting today at 890000 Keep in mind, Back in June, that number was nine hundred thousand. We've barely moved the median price since June of last year. Average price about one million one hundred seventy-one thousand dollars. That's going to be down about fifteen thousand from last month. And similar to June, the average price of a home's only gone down about forty thousand dollars in the last seven months. So you see HPI continuing to fall off a bit. It's, it'll probably do another point three percent or whatnot uh, at the end of the month. But again, it's still, they're all very similar, similarly positioned right now. They've all essentially converged. What's interesting though, because these sales volumes are so low, the sales to active listings ratio may drop quite a bit and hit somewhere around 12%, which is verging on a buyer's market. Now, of course, it would be the first month because I believe it sat at 17 or 18% at the end of uh, December there. So, you know, it's not a trend yet. But this is the thing that we kind of want to hit home. This is what a buyer's market feels like. And it's very fascinating to, you know, hear all the people that say, oh, they don't like it when it's super busy. They don't like overbidding. They don't like competing. Of course, nobody does. But then you enter into what the opposite looks like, and that's today, and you've got record low sales. People just don't even want to buy. People don't want to buy until everybody else is buying. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a very interesting human factor and we see it time and time again so if you've been waiting for a market where it's considered an almost buyer's market or in a buyer's market because we know those are that's an almost unicorn territory for vancouver for it being Mm -hmm. i believe less than 11 percent of the last 30 years was in a buyer's market this is what it feels like this is that opportunity and if it doesn't feel right i get that too it's not it's not like all of a sudden prices are super low and rates are low and there's an infinite amount of inventory to choose from that is not a buyer's market that doesn't essentially exist. So just uh, recognize right now, if you've been thinking about buying and you don't want to compete, but you don't like today either. Well, what does that leave you with? Yeah. You know, it's funny, Dan, I was um, outside one of our listings yesterday and um, there's a home being built right next door to it. And uh, I, I needed some help with something. So I asked if one of the guys could come down and help me. And uh, he comes down and he's the, uh, he owns the framing company and he's from, um, he's from India with, um, if you can believe this, uh, a master's in economics, <laughs> but he's, he's a, a framer at a house here. Anyways, um, we're, we're talking about this and he goes, you know, the, the, the big thing that nobody really understands here is just how good we have it comparatively speaking to what's happening in the rest of the world. And people tend to forget that people tend to feel like the the market in Vancouver is going to completely come out and prices will drop 40 or 50% and they'll get their opportunity to buy. But people don't realize what's happening in other countries and why people come here whenever they get the chance. And yes, it's expensive to live here. And they all know that that's why he's framing a house. But at the end of the day, you know, he also recognizes that you put your money in the bank and people aren't going to steal it. You know, people go to, you go to send your kids to school. It's a safe place to do so. And they get a good education. These are the things that a lot of people around the world want in their life. And so they come to Canada and are prepared to make significant sacrifices in order to live here. 
And I think it's important we remind people of that. It's perspective, right? It is. Yep. Yep. Global perspective. It gives you a reason to travel to understand that. And it's, it's something that resonates and you do hear time and time again. You know, it's very easy to live in Vancouver and feel like it's your own bubble pun intended, but you forget what the outside looking in sentiment is and, and how yeah. they view Vancouver, how they view Canada yeah. as a whole, because uh, it's been desirable for many years and status quo, it, it will remain this way for foreseeable future. So yeah, yeah there's a re- interesting, sorry, go ahead. Well, there's a reason why 830,000 people came here last year. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't you can't ignore that, and I think it's important that you don't just look at the fact that they came here. Look at why they're coming here and what they're leaving, because I think that that gives credence to everything else that's happening from a macro perspective here. Anyways, I, I just felt it's important to touch on because you know a lot of the feedback we see is all about how the Vancouver market needs to come down, and while you know it did get overheated and it is correcting let's be reasonable with what we think is actually going to come out out of this. Yeah. Well said. Appreciate that angle for sure. We are set up for what will be yet another very unique year in Vancouver real estate. We've come out of two of the most unusual things may be a little bit more quote unquote normal in 2023, but they will also be unique. So we'll keep you guys updated on what's happening every single week. And thanks as always for tuning in. See you next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.